Welcome to Geek Exploration Creators Corner. How are you doing, John? I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm I'm doing good. Uh, we're here today with uh, Jeff Feitner. Hey, that's me. He's uh, he is uh, he's a dude that does a lot of cool stuff. Uh, his newest thing is Coyote's Bluff. Yes, yes man, I rhymed. Well done. Oh yeah, that was, that was deliberate. <laughs> I, I guarantee. You're gonna put a beat to it. <laughs> So, Jeff, uh, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. How about yourselves? Uh, I'm doing just peachy. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't have any big issues right now. Where the new year started, uh, this is going at least as good as the last. So uh, <laughs> I, can't, I can't complain too much. <laughs> and, and before we go any further, I want to congratulate you uh, on fully funding your Kickstarter for space oddities because i i wanted my stuff <laughs> ah, thank you it was almost wholly due to you and uh your, your coverage of uh our, our book i'm sure of it we appreciate you having us uh on your show to to promote that you know i think that was the first show we did right for yeah, promotion yeah 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 sorry for keeping you late um, at least tonight we're getting a we're getting an earlier start than than i think it was like 12 30 last time it was <laughs> sorry no, that is okay, man. It was a it was a ton of fun, and I had uh, I used it as a uh, exercise of premiere skills and trying to make some stuff happen with the images that I was using. So it was kind of fun. Yeah, it was good. It was a good time. Yeah, but now now we're paying it forward and having you on to talk about the cool stuff that you're doing. That's right. We're doing cool things. So I guess um, I guess tell our audience a little bit about you and what you do. So. Let's see. A year and a half ago, maybe, I started podcasting and made a really dumb show. Um, and it was fun for what it was. It's uh, the best kind. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, and that's really what it was. It was, you know, it, there's a genre of podcasts, which is two people talking, right, about nonsense. I've never um, heard of this. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I've no. what, what, what do you mean? <laughs> and then there's the sub-genre, which is two white guys talking about nonsense. I think that's the main genre still. <laughs> 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 but it was basically that. Uh, and for a while, it was fun and all. And and I kind of, I, I've always had a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of, I've had a, a creativity in me, right? I've, I've kind of had the, the uh, beginnings of hamming you know like I, sh I should have been on stage maybe or i should have been in television but of course there's thousands of people who think that and get off the bus every day in hollywood but anyway so i kind of i really enjoy this this position right being behind a microphone and, and blabbering about nonsense and anyway fast forward a friend of mine came up with an idea to make an audio show or an audio drama centered around kind of um the COVID times, it was a kind of a riff on Ken Burns' Civil War letters, um, but it said in COVID times, which was really weird if you consider the fact that we have things like cell phones and, uh, you know, <laughs> ready communication and FaceTime, for example. And here we are, we started with just writing letters. Um, so Dispatches of Disassociation ran 12 episodes. It was super, super fun. Gave me the bug. It gave me the desire to do more uh, not only voice acting or voiceover type of stuff, but also production, because that was tr quite a treat. I found a, a an outlet for creativity there um, that was a, a new experience, right? I draw a little bit. I'm not a cartoonist. Um, I, you know, I, I've built things poorly, 
but I built things. I made things with my own hands and I was quite satisfied with them, but this was wholly new and different because I'm building a soundscape, right? Um, in that process, one of the network guys named Jay Ray, uh, no phony podcast network. Um, not ABC. No, definitely not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, at the time, the czar of no phony podcast network, Jay Ray was like, Hey man, I've had this script. Uh, I've been working on this screenplay for like 10 years. It'll never be a movie, but maybe it could be like an audio drama. And I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll do it. Um, cause he had asked, he was like, I would like you to run this thing. That's the right attitude. Yeah. yeah. Some of the best creative endeavors start with that. Fuck like, it. Fuck I'll it, do I'll, it. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but he's like, you know, I'd really, I'd really like you to be the showrunner, to, to be the producer and whatever. And I was like, all right. And, and this was sometime like July or August. And so, and it might've even been July and it was written like, it's a legit screenplay written with stage direction and camera direction and lighting and all these things. And, and that doesn't translate well to audio. So the first step was going through and, and making a conversion to uh, make it to the audio medium, right? You have to, you have to say things to replace what you did with the camera actions, right? Yeah. You can be yep. like close up on Casey's face. In right. Audio. Exactly. <laughs> Unless you have a, an omniscient narrator who is literally saying, and then Casey walked across the room and pulled his gun. Yeah. yeah. It would have to turn into like, like film noir level, like, uh, like, Absolutely. Inner narration. Yeah, yeah. Pulp novel. Right. Shit. Yeah. Right. 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 So he didn't want to do that. And, and you know, there was, there's a, a, some back and forth in, in converting the story, but keeping it intentionally vague at times. And, and really it's a very, to listen in order or to listen as written, it starts off very disparate. There, there's a lot of back and forth that won't necessarily make sense until you get to the last episode in the last seven minutes of the last episode. <laughs> And then it kind of slaps you in the face again and again and again. And you go, oh, 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 are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Then you got to listen to it a second time. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's kind of how it's written. It's um, a good strategy. Double your listens. Maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, so it, the idea was. Or, you know, that was, that was the initial thing. Hey, I want you to make this thing cool, but you got to fix it. And we went back and forth on the writing and stuff. And, and I, I set up this plan, right? Like, here's how I want to do this business. I'm not going to release it until all of them are done. Because this kind of production, they're too dependent on each other. I wanted to be sure that everything was right. And because this was, it's like an hour and a half long, if all told, all the, like all episodes together, it's, it probably right at an hour and 30 minutes and, and it has to be cohesive even if it's in four chunks right so i was like i'm not releasing it until they're all done um when we record i want to record in two big chunks because it's scenes are small like there's 32 voices 32 oh that's a lot roles yeah it's a ton of people that's a lot that in an are, hour and a half yeah. that are in and out and and some of them are just there enough to die Maybe. Oh, well, you know, some people have to die. That's right. Kinda, yeah. That's kind of, well, yeah. And it, 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 it seems like it's split into, into many different little vignettes. The, and that's exactly right. It, it, and they're used um, without any spoilers or anything. The, each scene is intentional. It does something for the story, if not to progress the story along to explain the character, right? It, it's the scenes are used to tell you about a character without saying, Casey is a mild-mannered man who has a nice voice and likes long walks on the beach. Nah, 
we're going to take you to the beach and let you experience him walking on the beach. That's not a spoiler because that shit and doesn't his happen because that's a rom-com. <laughs> yeah, I heard the first episode. He doesn't seem like that guy at all. <laughs> um, I, I guess to, to you know, um, dispose of the vagaries here. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about Coyote's Bluff. Right? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Coyote's Bluff. Yeah, let's yes. go ahead and, and plug it so everyone knows what we're talking about and uh, when and where yeah. they can hear it. Um, it's available everywhere uh, that you can listen to a podcast. Um, first episode is out. dropped last Monday. Second will come out this coming Monday and two more after that. And then we might do something fun and offer an alternate um, single episode release where it's the entire thing front to back. We talked about that. Maybe wait like a month or something and release it that way just to see what happens with it. Yeah. But, yeah. Like doing the, the graphic novel approach where you, where you've got several single issues and then release it all together as one big chunk. Yeah. Kind of like that. It's kind of, I don't know. It's, it's a, it's an interesting thing. The whole process we recorded over two Saturdays that were four hours long each, I think, mm-hmm. um, oh, really? people. Oh yeah. That's that. I mean, that almost seems quicker than I would have expected. Like, it seems like getting 32 people together to do anything coordinated and getting it done in eight hours is, <laughs> is, is quite the accomplishment. Yeah. Wow. So the way it worked, I broke it out into chunks, like groups of actors who had scenes together. Right. So some like coyote, the title character, he was there at both times. Um, and he was in almost every scene. Um, but then other actors are only in one or two scenes or whatever. So I kind of, I was very deliberate with, you know, the order of recording and then who's going to be where and when they could drop out. Like I wasn't going to have people hang out all day to be in the last scene. If you've only got one, you're going to be early. So I kind of worked it out that way. So we recorded it in a very, uh, it's, it was not recorded in order at all. Um, so that most of the actors don't even really, unless they read the whole script, um, they have no idea what happens. <laughs> well, that's good. They shouldn't know what happens. Which you, don't, is you, cool. you don't want to know what's how you're going to die. <laughs> oh no, they definitely know they die. Well, I guess yeah. You <laughs> gotta, you at least read that part, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, it was like I think one day we had twelve actors, and then the next day we had uh, sixteen because it was there. There are some with multiple roles, but there's thirty-one or thirty-two roles. So. Um, and then, and then it was a matter of editing and finding sounds and, you know, building, building all of these things and making, telling the story, you know, and having Jay Ray ends up narrating by proxy sort of as the bartender, Polly, um, cause that's originally, it was just a, a movie about this stuff that's happening. And in the audio thing, we worked it out where, uh, as the trailer starts, you want to know how I came to own pop's tavern or whatever it is. Yeah, this is that story because that's what it is. But it's so so much more. Um, but it's fun. It, it was super fun, and that kind of being able to do that because I'm not an audio engineer. I'm not a sound <laughs> professional. I'm not a radio guy. I'm not a broadcast guy. I don't you know what the fuck now. I'm doing. <laughs> so, <laughs> so trial by fire. As, as I've said, with um, I, I work in in Navy Electronics. And there are technicians who work in, in the place where I work who don't have formal education. They just, they've learned on the job. They've, they've done, uh, they've learned one task and have learned to repeat that task. And then they start applying what they've learned in other sections, basically. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a, there's a beauty to the ignorance of no education. 
if you're willing to learn, like you have no, um, you have no built in controls, right? Like with education comes limits, right? You can't do this because of A or B or C. Yeah. If you've never gotten that education, you don't know what you can't do. I've been very poorly educated. So that uh, (laughs) I've I've run into that a few times where it's nice where you're the guy in the room that, that doesn't know what they're doing. And you're like, so why are we doing it this way? And sometimes that's useful. Sometimes they're like, because you're stupid. That's why. <laughs> but occasionally you look like you're really smart because you, you bring up something that they didn't yeah. think of because of the roadblocks their education put in the way. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of in, in working through dispatches and coyotes bluff, like, I, I don't know if I did it right. I think it sounds amazing. I'm very proud of, of what I was able to do given that I, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, you know, but, it's a cohesive story. And I think all of the things I put together into that, into the soundscape and stuff, make the story, like help the story along, explain things. There's humor involved in some of the, the delivery of the voices, but there's also humor in like some of the sounds that I put in, like it's almost slapsticky at times. If, if you're listening and if you hear things the way I intend it, like there's a joke in sound effects and I'm tickled with that idea, you know? Yeah, that's something that's that's really interesting with it, with the audio medium, especially since you don't have any of the visual cues at all. Like you have to build the entire like wall of sound. You have to build the entire world. Like I, I remember uh, in in listening to the first episode in the uh, in the we'll just call it the scene in the bar or tavern with the billiards. Like you have to build all of those sounds, glasses yep. clinking, um, people in the background. You know, the sound of people playing pool, like. That stuff is fascinating. It's so interesting to me because I, I, I do video editing and sometimes I have to build those myself. So it's, it's really cool to, to catch those sorts of things and like the, the soundscapes that you have to create. You know, it's something that I, that I think would be very easy for somebody to just uh, take for granted. Well, it's, it's the kind of thing where if you do it really well, nobody notices it. Yeah. Like if someone notices like that didn't sound right or that took me out of the moment, that's the problem. Like the whole point of the background noise is that it 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 feels natural and no one ever thinks of it. But when you're doing it, you got to put a lot of time into it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's that. Um, first of all, thank you very much for noticing. That was um, that was one of those scenes where it was like, it's not enough. You know, it was never enough. Um, and there's there are times like with the narration uh, when you get back to to Polly and Jesse talking about what's going on, you know. I decided to keep the song the same. Like every time you go back to Paulie and Jesse, it's the same music. A, because it's easy, but also because <laughs> that's a, it's kind of like a touchstone. Like when that ramps up, you know where you are, right? It's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's their moment in time. Yeah. It's here we are now. And you're right. It, there is time involved with those guys too, because they're, they're in the present for the most part. And then you go back. How far back? We don't really know. Yeah. Not necessarily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or, or or you go forward, but then you come back to Paulie and Jesse, and you get the same music. And then the background, there's actually two layers of background sounds there because the first one wasn't enough. You know, there's like there's the background of just people talking in the bar, but then there's also the bottles clinking and like he's always washing bot washing glasses or something, mm-hmm. um, and then pouring drinks. And it's like it, it just wasn't enough until it was, and then it was like cool. But you're absolutely right. If if it wasn't there, it would be weird. Yeah, like it, it ha- you have to have that. You have to have the music because music kind of sets its tone in its own way. 
Well, yeah. And, and with them in, in their moment in time, like even, you know, him being a storyteller, you know, he's telling this story that, that, you know, in the episode, it may take 10 minutes to tell this thing, but for all, you know, he's told it in three or four sentences. Right. So, so, so the passage of time is definitely different for, uh, for, for the storyteller or himself or themselves. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's something that, um, I think I, I kind of, I've always acknowledged, like when you watch movies, even when they do the, the, the similar trope where it's somebody's beginning to tell a story and they do the fade out, fade into the action that they're talking about. Like, how long does it take to say, I drove across the bridge where when you actually do it in video, that's a different length of time to, to drive across a bridge, Absolutely. Depending on the bridge, of course. But if you're talking about the Chesapeake Bay bridge tunnel, <laughs> like I can say, I drove across the Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel, and I can say, I drove across the Golden Gate Bridge. Same sentences, very similar length of time. Chesapeake Bay Bridge Tunnel is 19 miles. So yeah. that's a different drive. Yeah. You know, and it's, you know what I mean? It's, there is that time thing that happens, and time's already wonky, so. Well, and a lot of the time with narration and stuff, like you don't know, like the narrator's telling you know, whoever they're telling the story to, they're, they're telling their, what they know. And a lot of the time, what you're telling the listeners is more than that too. Like maybe he, he may or may not know all of the things that are being shown to the listener. Right. Yeah, and without, without spoiling anything from the first episode, like we've talked about this billiard scene, like there's entire conversations and events that happen that unless, um, our, our narrator was sitting right there. Like he wouldn't know all of these things. Yeah, he, like he heard about that from some dude. Yeah. He, he, he probably truncated that to like two sentences. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this thing happened. <laughs> but like, you know, that's not a very interesting story. So like you flesh that out with some actual dialogue that makes it a lot cooler. Yeah. And three or four minutes later, you know, you, you've got things that happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Early on, I keep coming back to how I did this because um, that leads into a future endeavor or, well, a present endeavor, which was the future back then. Um, so <laughs> well, I hopefully built, future ones too. <laughs> well, yeah, because this I kind of set my own standard for how I plan and how I, how I record and how I establish. Like, I basically uh, storyboard things, even if it's audio, because that makes sense to me. I learned that. I learned that in high school in a silly television movie production class or whatever. Um, and, and just, I, I like, I've planned evolutions on a ship via storyboard because it makes sense to me. You know, I, I've planned a failed app, a phone app via storyboard because it made sense. So I kind of did that with this. Um, I read through the entire script with one of my kids just to get a feel for time. Like how long is this thing actually going to be? And as measured, the minutes of dialogue was like 58 minutes, I think. Jay Ray's narration added in that extra half hour with sounds and, you know, time. Because there's yeah. always... Pa- you know, dramatic pauses and whatnot. Right, right. And when you add, you know, when you actually have spoken dialogue between two people, it's different when you're reading it for the read. So, yeah. you know... there. Yeah, the stage I, I, direction, essentially. Yeah. And there, there's some weird stage direction when you only have audio. <laughs> yeah. I, I need tone i need you to be angrier (laughs) (laughs) so anyway what what was your role it like your role in this was producer so did you were you also acting as like director then were were you kind of telling them what to do and also coordinating or 
Like what so exactly were you doing? I, when, when we had the recording sessions, I wanted J Ray there because so, you know, you have to kind of know people a little bit to work together. Right. And I, I told J Ray, cause he's a very, he wants things his way. Right. I think we all do a little bit, especially when it's a creative baby of yours. Right. I think that's um, like a why, standard artist trait. Why are you looking yes. at me, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely but, ran into that <laughs> with our comic book, for sure. I'm sure. Um, but I acknowledge that, you know, and I understand that because I am that way. And here I am. I'm going to be providing a service, bringing to life, you know, birthing this baby that he's had brewing for like 10 years. So there were things that I was willing to do, like I t- total editorial control of, of the soundscape, right? I'm going to put this together and you can tell me it's wrong, but you're not going to micromanage how I do it, right? Like he got review, but I'm going to build it first. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah that makes sense. But Absolutely. for the acting, um, so I, I had a Zoom window up and everybody was in the Zoom. And then for every scene, we would do call outs basically and say, okay, go to the Zencaster. And he would be in the Zencaster directing so he could get the tone delivery right and get the, the pacing of a scene correct. So he basically oh, worked through. Yeah, it was, and it worked well. It was very effective um, because we were recording in Zencaster, which for two, those two weekends, they were two weeks apart. Um, for the total time, for that eight hours of recording, Zencaster was perfect. Not a minute of the sp- the slinky effect we didn't have any ducking issues we had nothing but perfect audio from zengaster and i was just beyond amazed (laughs) so you guys actually recorded it all in zengaster rather than having people record locally yeah because i didn't want to i didn't wow everybody i didn't want to saddle people with that and i didn't want to have to work out sinking and all the bullshit associated with it (laughs) well not so much sinking just i didn't want i didn't want to deal with the transmission of large files and where to put them all so i was like you know what because because zencaster will archive them there like in the cloud so i didn't have to download them until i wanted them and i didn't want to saddle them with that i didn't want them to have to remember i didn't want to be left in a situation where actor went ghost you know, or something happened and they weren't able to, yeah. to get to me. So yeah, every inch of that. <laughs> wow. Every that, minute is all Zencaster recorded. That's actually really, really smart. Because in, in my day job, we uh, we do video production. And right now, of course, production is slowed down. So we've um, sort of uh, MacGyvered it into where we're doing a lot of, uh, a lot of Zoom call uh, mm-hmm. production. And we have everybody record like on their iPhone on, on their own end. But... Yeah, like like there there are some issues sometimes, especially you know like people can can lose stuff. People aren't used to uh, to sending in files or to managing right. that sort of thing, and and if one person's performance gets lost, then you're fucked. So yeah. having it somewhere like you said, archived in Zencaster is extremely valuable. Like I think I'm going to bring that to uh to the table. Yeah, I'm pretty impressed because the sound quality is good. Yeah, except I, for I, one person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, yeah. And honestly, you know, he was in Wales, so I, I couldn't, I was like, Andy, he's, he's a, I'm going to say this. I love Steve to death. He's, he was a part of the former show, a great for crows. Um, he's a great guy. Maybe not the most technically savvy. Um, he's a little bit on the, he's a little older than, than me. And I assume you all. Um, so to get him together, get him connected in part of the group that we were doing, 
I was like, whatever I get from you, I will take. And I had, <laughs> I actually had him redo stuff. Because his voice is great. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah, that his accent. performance yeah. is great. Holy it's crap! The uh, the audio quality, like you notice it when it pops yeah, up. Yeah, like, oh, uh, and, and it's unfortunate. And it was like I could try to do it again, and I did. I had him read a couple scenes uh, for a second time, and I did that on Zoom from my phone while I was at work. I was, if you want to call right now, and I hit record for Zoom, and those couple scenes are a little bit better, but he was, it was still there was still something with his microphone, with his connectivity. And I was just like, you know what? We'll have to eat it. And I considered making that conversation a phone conversation to explain his sound. But then there were other actions in that scene that would require a change. You know, we never mentioned the dollar amount that Coyote's being paid. Yeah, he right? passes him the the, the note, the and, napkin. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, and because well, I, I remember thinking that I was like, is this guy on the phone at first? And then like, yeah. then he passes him the napkin. I'm like, okay, well, I mean... What are you going to do? It's fucking COVID times audio production. And that's, I'm willing you know, to suspend disbelief. I, you know, whatever, because everything else sounds great. In all of my, my, uh, my reading of like crime fiction and stuff, like I've, I've got this, this old idea just buried in my head that it's like, oh, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be talking on the phone about this. Like yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm okay with this. <laughs> this would, this would not be over the that's phone. How they, the they would listen. In. Yeah, yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. Especially if, if you've ever seen The Wire or any other crime drama. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do that shit in person. Don't send, yep. don't send shit like that in text. Ever. <laughs> nope. When I'm contracting to get people killed, I do it in person. I do it on parlor. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty impressed that Zencaster's that good. Like, I've never used it, and I've heard people sing its praises a yeah. number of times. But uh, I'm always... I'm distrustful of anything that transmits audio over the internet because it compresses the fuck out of it. And uh, I'm always worried about quality. Like even like Zoom recordings and this, usually if if someone can record locally, I prefer it because then I can get like a proper wave file straight from them. If the internet cuts out, you don't have to worry about it. But uh, I think we've been lucky so far and the people we've talked to for the most part have their own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but I'm, I'm pretty impressed. I may, I may have to give it a shot because I would not have suspected that that's what, that it was through some sort of internet thing. Yeah. Their um, Zencaster, we, when I first started round and round um, with my former co-host, that's how we recorded every, every minute of that show because he's in Texas. Um, and I think, I feel like we got in kind of early ish into Zencaster because they seem to be adding server time and adding bandwidth and adding, adding, adding as we grew. But they're still very time dependent, which is why I was kind of shocked because I tip, I started recording Friday evenings because Zencaster was easier to use. There was less compression. There was less slinky time. Mm-hmm. Um, Saturday mornings tended to be real challenging. And that's when we recorded Coyote's Bluff, two Saturday mornings. And I was like, when everyone's available, it's when everyone's available because <laughs> I had everybody in, in all the time zones in the U.S. I had whales. Um, and for a minute, I was going to have somebody in Australia, which would have been in independent recording but but uh yeah it was it was just this blessed moment of like everything working right and zencaster had all the bandwidth and no issues and everything worked so it's got to happen every once in a while man. <laughs> yeah at least once a year that yeah. was your one for 2020 L- law of averages it's not going to work well for us <laughs> <laughs> but um after that it was a matter of um matter of editing and i recorded so zencaster 
does a decent job with like naming the file. So I recorded, like I start every recording and name the file, the scene name or the scene number. Right. Um, and there were 30, I think 42. Cause some of the, I ended up sub sub numbering some. So it was like scene 27, but then there's 27 a, B, C and D. Yep. Yeah. And then, so it ended up being, I think there's like 40 some scenes, um, to include the narration and stuff. And so all those files were named automatically and st- you know, it's just simple. Right. And then That's fast forward wild. a couple of weeks to decompress and, and I downloaded all the scenes into my computer and just started, you know, plugging away. I'm, we were going to do like nine episodes, but they would have been in like 10 minutes each. I'm like, that's boring. I need, I yeah. need more, you know, like I got, I got to leave you with like a, a proper cliffhanger or leave you with like some kind of resolution. You know, they're like, I feel like each episode kind of has its own arc and f- it doesn't leave you too much hanging unless there's intent there. <laughs> well, it's good to leave people hanging. It's good to leave them wanting more. So yeah. it, it, either leave them with some resolution or a question, but you definitely got to hook their interest. Yeah. It's tried and true for a reason. Yeah, that's right. Um, but I wanted, you know, I, I think it, we cut it in the right places to make it make sense. Like the third one ends up 30 minutes long. Um, but there's no, there's nowhere you, you can't break that piece up. Yeah. You know, like yeah, it, has, it. it has to be this or it has to be the rest. And that would be just weird. So, well, and I think with podcasts, people are pretty comfortable with anything from, you know, 15 to an hour and 10. Yeah. You know, you can get away with anything kind of in that range. You start, you, you get too much over an hour and it gets too long for some people and you get too low under 15 minutes and there's just not much there yeah it seems like there's no point and and with something like like a like an audio drama it's it's probably it probably fits more in like the mandalorian uh side of things where it's like okay you know whatever they need to tell the story it could be it could be 27 minutes or it could be 48 minutes you know and and it's all right as long as we're getting one good story in there yeah so to get through editing i did um you know I have the Adobe suite of creative cloudly stuff. So there's a, there's a lot of sound effects and whatnot available there, um, which was cool. Not always the best, right? But they're, they're free and they're part of the thing and you can use them. So I did Um, some sound effects I grabbed from other places, all legal because I, I don't know why I'm, I'm conscious of like copyright and fair use and, you know, creative license or creative commons and all that kind of stuff. And, I feel like, I feel like, um, artists of, in whatever form deserve their due, right? Like, yeah. If a you musician don't really makes music, someone else's work. Exactly. You know, if, if it's available for use, then I will use it. Absolutely. But if there's some kind of rights or license involved, I won't, you know, as best as, as best as I understand, if I can't be clear about it, if it's not made clear, then I might fudge it to my favor. But the reality is, you know, I, I, I feel like everything that we used, we used with permission properly and legally and all that stuff. And I was able to do some pretty cool shit for mostly free. Um, <laughs> yeah. As long as there's no malicious intent, I think, yeah. I think that that's, that's a big thing. You know, your, your conscience is clear. Yeah. And, and I mean, not to disparage you at all, but you're probably not going to make millions off of this. Well, no, I'm not. I mean, maybe a few hundred thousand tops. but uh when i i did i just recently edited like a a, uh like a actual play D &D thing for this event we did Mm -hmm. and uh ended up i ended up going to like this website called like zap splat and paying Mm -hmm. them the five dollars for the one month and you get just a giant library of shit and all you gotta do is be like i found some shit at zap splat and it was totally worth five bucks because yeah 
I did not have the time to do any of my own Foley. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to check that out because I I use a I use a site that that I'm not going to call out just in case for whatever reason I don't know that uh that it's like <laughs> some bullshit site that that steals people's shit but it says everything's free um, and, and uh, it sometimes the options are limited because it's a lot of people just going out with their own Zoom record recorders and you know recording a uh, an, an office building you know yeah. for some for some ambience yeah so that that's that's what I use but. I also don't get too specific. I will call out Motion Array because they're they provide a lot of um, elements for Adobe, like whatever you use in Premiere or Audition or whatever. And and I do video in Premiere, also just as clueless and not trained in in video editing either. But I fake it really good. <laughs> you know, that, that's the secret to life. I've learned is, is <laughs> it, like you don't know how to do something, just fucking pretend like you do, and eventually you will. Right. I mean, it's, it's the, it's the same kind of philosophy as dressing for the job you want, not the job you have. Yeah. Um, I just dress up my bullshit. Like I know what I'm doing. Uh, but anyway, so as, uh, to kind of come back around to your question about, you know, who did what and whatever, um, I did the, I did editing, I did the producing, I did kind of, you know, not direction so much as coordinating the recording sessions Yeah. when it came to the editing I did all of that stuff. I put together the episode, sent it to J-Ray for like sanity check, because as much as I understand, like I can read words and understand what they mean, you know, there's, there's what you say and what I hear. And then there has to be that feedback loop to say, I understood this. Is this what you intended? You know? Well, and, and sometimes on the written page, the dialogue could say like, what are you doing? You fucking dummy. But like in the, in the person's mind, who's writing it, they're not writing it as if they're being insulting. So when you, when you're an actor and you see that on the page, you're like, what are you doing? You fucking dummy. And they're like, oh no, that, that wasn't supposed to be so, so angry. You're like, yeah. well, why the fuck do you write it like that? <laughs> and it's even, it's even more, um, there, there's even more chance for confusion when it's like, give me a sound, like this action happened, Right. And it would be very clear when you're doing video, because if you're doing video, there's going to be a sound and then you either have to go back and, and dub Foley on top or you've got the ambient mics to pick it up, right? Because there are some scenes you can record in situ and get all of the sounds and it's beautiful. Great. Wonderful. Yeah. Not an audio because nobody's walking the fuck around, you know, and, yeah. then, and there's there's things that happen and sounds that we've put into this thing um, just to kind of maybe clue you in and, and help explain time and, and distance to an extent, you know, like this guy walks 18 steps over here. It, the steps aren't the greatest. I admit it's not the best sound effect for walking, but the timing of it absolutely works from that door to that place to do that thing. You know, it's, yeah. it, it works somehow. Cause and, otherwise like you don't know if someone went into another room yeah. unless you hear a door open and close right you need the door you have to have the walking you have to have the chair pulled away from the bar you know that little scrape is important interestingly enough like listening to that first episode i did notice that when he walks up to the bar and you hear that you, you hear the chair get pulled out, or the yeah. stool or whatever you know like i was like okay yeah he's sitting down at the bar there it is <laughs> it, it painted the mental picture and that's you know that all of that came once i got through the first episode because i told jay ray i, w I didn't want to release until it was all done and I didn't want to release till January because that gave my I gave myself three months from the end of recording to release, knowing that I'm going to have a week where I don't feel like working, 
I'm going to have a week where, yep. you know, life blows up and I can't do any of this work. You know, I'm going to have a, a down day. I'm going to have a dark period of, you know, where my mood isn't just not in this place. So I gave myself all of that time that I thought I needed, um, which means that I'd also have, you know, the, the manic spurts that go come along with um, bipolar <laughs> reason, right? You have, you have the mania where you're like, I worked for 40 hours in a row over a weekend on this thing. Yeah, I might have done that, maybe. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I put out the first episode and we went back and forth three or four times. Here, no, that one was five revisions. So six total back and forth. Rev five, I send, and it's the final one with the credits, with the music and everything. And it's as right as it can be. Okay, cool. And once I kind of had that and understood, really got an understanding of what he wanted out of it, then I kind of could do like the next three episodes and felt more comfortable just throwing at him. Here's what I got. Here's what I got. And, you know, he'd catch the little, the timings missed up on here. The other, the other thing real quick, like I did all the tracks individually. So a couple of these episodes have 58 tracks. Uh, Ooh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I, I, I say, I, I tell people that because if you edit audio, you understand, but also because I could build, basically it was a linear flow. You know, the farther along yep. you got, the farther yeah. down you get, and then you can see where transitions happen. It's like a Gantt chart for, for schedules and stuff. It was exactly it. Yes. Yeah. Except, like, except that I started taking like all of the Polly and Jesse scenes were tracks one through four. Right. So there'd be chunks because it visually, it, it tells you exactly like I knew what was happening, right? Here's Polly and Jesse. Here's a chunk of stuff. Here's Polly and Jesse down. Here's a yeah. chunk of stuff. And, and that worked out great. Um, but you know, when you do that, like, click and drag to select everything and you want to pull it down like a second and a half. If you miss one, it really fucks you up. Yep. You might miss it because I have 58 tracks, right? And, and then you may not notice it until 30 minutes later where you're like, wait, what the fuck is going on now? Yeah, because it's, it's almost <laughs> impossible to expand your view to catch everything there and still be able to get those, those little bits and pieces. Like, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's so frustrating. So that was one of those things where that's what, um, the review and approval of, of episodes two through four was more, it was more about catching those things. Um, yeah. You know, I'd send it to him and he goes, what the fuck happened at minute five? Because there's like this weird gap. And then it sounds like you threw a pile of stools down the stairs. Like, uh, uh, <laughs> Man, I'm, I'm glad my boss doesn't talk to me like that. When I, when I miss some <laughs> little thing, oh, shit. I'd be like, what do you mean? What the fuck happened there? <laughs> I don't, I, I don't know. Like, fuck I don't, you. That's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> so funny story. I don't listen back. Um, editing my own shows, editing dispatches of disassociation, editing coyotes bluff. I work linearly. Um, whatever's on the screen, when I have it perfect, I move on. Right. Yep. But I will never go back and listen through the entire thing again. Like it's in the past. Uh, it's how I've taken, like, it's how I take tests. It's how I do work at work. It's if I've done it, it's as done as I can make it and I move on. So it is entirely dependent to have a second check that somebody that wants to listen through again and verify that I didn't miss something. So I do the same exact thing with the podcast. Like, you know, I spend two or three hours editing it. Yep. I'm not listening back through it again. That explains it. Half the time, <laughs> half the time I'm posting that at like 1150 on a Monday evening. It goes out Tuesday morning. I'm like, well, it is what it is now. See, the, yeah. And occasionally something gets caught where like, I, you know, I dragged the, the, 
the end of one item and I had another item selected and it also dragged it back. So now there's a little pause. Yeah. And I've caught those a few times, but it's like, I'll watch it when it's rendering to see if there's any big blank patches because it shows like the little, uh, audio, the waveform. Yeah. A little waveform of it. And, uh, but if it was three seconds long, I'm not going to catch it. Yeah. During, during, with, with the day job, like I know I have somebody who has inserted herself as sort of like the final approval. Right. So I've sort of gone to that place where I'm like, okay, I feel good about this. I'm going to send it off. Oftentimes she'll catch like little things, you know, like, like you said, you know, something getting dragged to the wrong place. But I remember in the early days of, uh, when, back when I was editing the podcast, like I was so terrified of something happening, you know, cause you know me, I'm a worrier. I'm, I'm a paranoid person. So I would <laughs> listen to that entire episode before I'd actually put it in. Oh, it was, it was, it was absurd. No, no I it's free content, man. I mean, <laughs> it, you know, we're amateurs. We're doing this for fun. Occasionally we're going to fuck something up. And, uh, if someone points it out, I'll fix it and, yeah. uh, it'll all be fine. Like deal with it. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of that funny story. In the production of Coyote's Bluff, I met a bunch of people, right? Um, and and I pulled in some friends that, you know, when when it got to crunch time, um, there, you know, we still had roles open and I couldn't, casting calls only work, like, I don't know how they work, right? I, I know how it worked for me and I know how it works when I respond to them. Um, but we got very little response initially and then it got really good, but I still, you know, there's a voice and... I had inter- I had had this guy, um, guy named Billy DeClerc. I m- kind of met him through another network that I was part of for a brief time. Um, and he's an improv comedian. He happens to be a lawyer. Um, so I, I reached out and I was like, hey, man, would you like to act in this show for us? And he's the guy that plays Coyote. So he does a phenomenal job as Coyote oh, and as Elvis's dad, who you haven't met yet. That's interesting. Um, does a great job. And, um, you know, in, in the course of the communications with all the actors, I sent out my entire spreadsheet of how I had this planned. And I, I, if I put this much effort into work, work, like I'd probably be (laughs) awesome. But like, I have like, you know, here's this list of the cast with contact info and all that stuff. Right. But then I had the cat, the, the recording schedule laid out by day, by scene, by person. Then I have a copy of that, but with different information that I need later for me. And then I have like, the soundtrack, you know, cause I had J Ray go start picking out music for the soundtrack and, and, and all this stuff like is all laid out and it's just, it's very well planned. I'm so proud of that. So Billy calls me one day and he's like, Hey man, so I kind of want to start making my show again, but I kind of want you to help me. I kind of want you to produce it <laughs> and I will pay you dollar monies, real hard American oh. dollar monies to help me. And I was like, well, that's weird. Um, okay. Like how much, not dollars, but how much production, right? Like, like, what do you want me to do for you? Right. Cause I would prefer to, to have a hook, right? Cause if I'm in that kind of, it's a weird, it's a very weird friendship slash business relationship. Right. But if I'm in this business relationship, I need to have a hook. Because if I'm going to commit to delivering content, which I am by producing this show and publishing this show under Verboten's name, then I need to have a hook to get stuff from you. So, like, I kind of want everything short of the recording. Because I, I'm he, he's a, he's a lawyer who works from home primarily, so his time is his own, and he can record whenever the hell he wants. But and and I can't be there all the time. 
So well, knowing what lawyers charge, it's a lot more than podcasters make per hour. Right. So, so I, I can see where his priorities might lie occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> and that's cool, right? Like, like I just, the arrangement, like I was going for, like, I didn't care about the dollar money. So to me, it was like, I would be happy with 15 dollars a year you know like give me a dollar a day or something i i it's just holy shit it, you might produce geek exploration the podcast <laughs> <laughs> and not anymore um, <laughs> but my my like i was you know there's a certain amount of of uh compliment in that right and he He's yeah. like, you know, I, I looked through your spreadsheet and I saw how well planned it was. And I think you, you know, you'd really help me do what I want to do. And I was like, all right, cool. You record it on whatever schedule, send me the audio, but I want to do everything, right? Like I want, I want to edit and host it and, and publish it because that way, like I have a hook, right? You have to give me audio. I will make a product. And, and it's, um, it's the, it is the silliest best improv comedy show that I think I've ever heard. And not just because I actually produce it fairly decently. Like the premise, um, he's a lawyer. I said that the first third of the show is him delivering a case study from first year law, right? Um, from, from the law school textbook. Here's this case. It's a foundational case. It is why decisions are what they are now. And it's why we have common, um, like these are the things that set precedent in the early 1900s sometimes. Right. But these, that's why we still have things today, like warning signs, for example, why tort law is what it is and all, all this stuff. So that's the first third. And then there's him and his guests do whatever improv comes out of that. That is the impetus, the inspiration for an improv bit. And then when they're all done with that and it gets boring, they, they move on to the, like question time when, when he gets a little real and interviews the, the guests as people and asks him some good hard hitting questions, you know, and it's, it's oh. so goofy, but it ends up working so fucking well is because you, you don't expect if you're going to open a law, a law book, right. And read like New York versus fucking Tommy Allen or whoever and blah, blah, blah. And here's legendary case, right? A legendary case of tort law. <laughs> and you're, you read Judge Cordozo's opinion on the matter, right? And that's actually a real judge name. That's Billy's favorite judge. Anyway, <laughs> and that goes into an improv about stuff, you know? It's, it's good. And, like, I legitimately laugh when I'm listening. And sometimes I forget I'm supposed to be editing this stuff. Nice. <laughs> and that, you know, like, I, I listen through one, and, like, I'm 12 minutes in, and I'm like have I cut anything? So I paused it and I, you know, do the, like compress the, 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 the waveforms. I'm like, Hmm, I know there's gotta be gaps in here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. That's the worst when you're editing or, or when you're, when you're multitasking while editing and all of a sudden five minutes have passed and you're like, Oh shit. Like I feel like I would have caught something if something was wrong, but (laughs) what if I didn't? Cause I was just enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, so that show's called Laying Down the Law, and it is the first, um, be, due to the nature of like the plans with Coyotes Bluff, um, Laying Down the Law is the, the first product of Verboten Productions, which is the silly little name that I and, I and we, my partners in this insanity, um, have come up with for what 
will be a co-op of creators, not just in the audio space. Um, Cause what I, what I want to do is be able to provide to a, somebody who's interested in making a podcast. Um, it, it, and then where it makes sense probably is a business or something, somebody in a niche that wants to put out a product, but doesn't want to put the time into it. Like if they're looking for help to do that piece, I can provide them not just the audio, not just the editing, but I've got a graphic designer. I've got it. You know, my, yeah. my oldest kid is a, a cartoonist for lack of a better word. He makes crazy good arts. It's not just cartoons, but you know, um, the laying down the law cover art is his work. It's super cool. It's anime adjacent kind of, um, know the name of the guy it's phoenix something yeah from the from the nintendo games maybe it's yeah i think it, it's similar or derivative of some of that art perhaps oh god damn what's his name oh, is it those like mystery games yeah yeah the attorney law guy where he's like defending a whale and holy shit, shit and that's like the, to, the you have to wh- shout an objection at your ds that's the one like game series that angelina likes i think i think phoenix Ace so, attorney at law or phoenix yeah i'm, go- yeah, I'm gonna like i'm gonna share this with Never you played real quick yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is definitely a take on Phoenix Wright, Attorney at Law. Oh, that does there sound right. Go. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Awesome. Is that out now? Yeah, that's out. Um, we're uh, six or seven episodes in. I've got to get another one out this week. Awesome. And is this ongoing or is this a limited series? Oh, no. This is ongoing for as long as we can stand it. Um, <laughs> he's got, so he's done a, he's done a musical improv episode via Zoom. Oh, that's got to be tough. <laughs> yeah, right? So it was fucking rad. Oh, awesome. I, I, um, so I, I'm, I'm fortunate enough, I think we talked about it before. I've got a Rodecaster Pro, which has a soundboard. So I was playing musical director slash, you know, producer of this episode, right? So I'm actually on this call. He's got his guest and they're talking about the case or whatever. And they get into the case and... And I just kind of tap a button and a song starts <laughs> <laughs> Proper and, they, improv. and they start rolling into the song. It was <laughs> fucking hilarious, but we're going to, we're going to do that again soon. But he also, he's hosting, um, he's a member of a improv, uh, group. He's a student of second city. Um, Oh shit. So he knows some people who are, you know, done some things and you know, there's some names where, like he mentions people and you look them up and like they're on television or they're writers on TV. And I'm like, Holy fuck, dude, you know, this guy, that's nice. cool. You know? I mean, like that's you're, how far away are we from Steve Carell? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm so jealous of, of improv artists too. Like when we first started podcasting, I, I went to a few like improv class things just cause I felt like it would help my, my ability to just roll with things as they went. But I, I mean, I got up on stage and I just clammed right up. Like you think about it and you're like, oh, of course I can bullshit. I bullshit with my friends for years. But when, once, once the pressure's on, it's different. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. I remember going up there with you for one of them. And, uh, like, I, like I played D and D for years and it's essentially improv, but then like you get in front and there's like a whole bunch of people looking at you and they're like, are right, like waiting for someone to jump in? Like, nope, no, I'm going to stand <laughs> right here. I'm just going to enjoy this. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I haven't done it, um, but it's kind of like the, the offer's been on the table because they meet, Billy and his group meet weekly and have a little Zoom thing every week. Um, 
And I'm like, you know, he's like, you you could come and join whenever you want. I'm like, oh man, I kind of wanna, I kind of wanna so bad. But right now, it's on my um, it's on my school night, so I cannot do it. Yeah. Um, well, but that the one changes. that we went to was in person. But I mean, like, they seemed totally cool with you showing up and not doing a damn thing. Like, yeah. if you wanted, like, no one was pressuring us to like, like, you need to get up and you know say something funny now, motherfucker. It was more <laughs> like, you know, like, hey, if you got an idea, jump in. If not, just fucking hang out. It's fine. Well, it's like it's like, a, it's really like cool. a AA meeting. You don't have to stand up the first time, you know. At yeah, least that's what I've seen on TV. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> un- unfortunately, that place is now a record store. Well, so. imagine, yeah, imagine there's not a whole lot of that going on. Yeah, they they now. got they got coveted right out of this place. Yeah. Um, well, so the most recent episode that he recorded was with a, a group called Ghost, and there's, I think he said there's eight people there, like in this call. Oh, damn. And they have not been getting together, so they were all like super grateful for the opportunity to just get together and, and you know improv and do stuff and, and get it out of their system, kind of. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, man, it's um we're we're working for laying down the law. We're we're working on some ideas where maybe we can get a group together like live, but socially you know appropriately distanced on a stage or an outdoor setting. Um, I've got I've got all the methods in place and equipment either here or on the way to be able to record four or possibly eight people wirelessly wireless mics into my road mixed down channels blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. um it's gonna be it's gonna be fucking rad it's <laughs> like yeah it's gonna be sick um, so with with uh with your with your production uh, company group what 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 would you refer to it as because you said group earlier but i, I don't uh, i don't know if i just want to go hey with your production company i don't know Co-op. I'm, oh, I'm calling okay. it a. I'm calling it a co-op for now because, um, you know, not necessarily a, a business, and I'm not going to charge. We're not selling it as a business so much as like a group of people, almost more like contractors that are under the same umbrella kind of thing. Yeah. You know, I've got a guy who can do this. If a business comes to me and said, "I want to make a niche podcast about this real estate thing in in SoCal," okay, cool. I can I can put all that together for you and do graphic design and do the audio stuff and get it hosted all handled done. Here's the price. Right. But also if somebody just wants graphics, they can come through verboten to find somebody to do graphics. And I'm hoping by middle of the year to have, to have a place uh, as part of verboten um, to be able to host demo reels for voice actors. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I don't want anything for it. Like I'm not going to charge them to be like an agent or whatever. I just, I'm, I want to be a place to give them a place to hang their voice online. Yeah, a, good, a resource. Yeah. And it, and really the intent of verboten is kind of a, it'd be like a, an incubator almost. I, I guess that would be the, maybe the nearest, uh, out, uh, uh, uh analogy, you know, mm-hmm. like if, if you're hanging out and, and we're helping you, you know, you find your voice or whatever, you know, you get some acting roles and next thing you know, you're actually getting paid to do a, a Wondery production or whatever. You've kind of grown up and you've grown away from verboten, but that's okay. You know, I'm not the guy that's going to make a million dollars like Joe Rogan. No, but if I can help somebody get there, you know, if I can give them a place to hang their video or hang their audio, if I can give them a a, a, a show to act in, right? If I can, if I can help them make a show of their own that ends up blowing up, that's cool. Yeah, you know, that's that's where I'm at with this, um, and, and you know I come at it from, <laughs> I come at it from the I make my own shows, I I edit other shows, I produce other other people's shows, right, and then and I also act, you know, for as a crowd is a, is a 
a sitcom. It's an 80 sitcom in a 2020 podcast. It's silly and wonderful and heartwarming and touching and a little sexual at times. It's perfect. It's like the <laughs> Golden Girls. <laughs> That's the one thing we're missing on our show. It, it never gets a little sexual. No, yeah, we no, it gets always show. a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, so is anyway. verboten something that you see yourself uh, like? Like, are you? Do you want to make a living out of that at some point, or is it more of a of a of a like hobby with benefits? Yeah, um, I don't. <laughs> It would, something magical would have to happen to make a living at it right. Um, in, in a perfect world, if I could parlay a hobby, um, a, a pastime of sorts into a, a life sustaining paying gig, I certainly would. I wouldn't eschew the idea. Um, but what I expect is I want it to be a hobby that is self sustaining, right? That would be great. Yeah. And I'm, I'm basically there now with what I'm doing with laying down the law and some other things. Um, it's just enough that I can keep, you know, I can, I have the gear that I want, right? Cause I'm a gearhead. I like to have things and stuff and I like, I like to talk about it. I like looking at this microphone, you know, I, I like being able to say I have all this stuff. Right? I, mean, I like looking dumb. at that microphone too. I'm a little jealous. <laughs> yeah. It looks way nicer. I keep having to adjust mine up because it's slowly sagging down. It's like this shitty equipment over here. Well, I don't, I, I certainly don't say that to be braggy, but, um, I, I, I do, I am that kind of person and I would be with whatever the hobby was, right? Yeah. Like if I was still riding motorcycles, I rode a Harley or a BMW. Um, I'm the same way with, with, with drawing tools, well, yeah. you know, a, a new pen or a new brush. Absolutely. It, it, it gets me off. I love it. Yeah. That, I mean, and that's part of this thing. So to be able to more or less, I can, you know, I, I, I just, I built a website. I put it off for years because it was just a little too much, but I built the website that is verboten productions and you can go there right now and see things about coyotes bluff or laying down the law or for the trees. You know, I mean that that's cool to me. Right. So if it, if that's all it ever is just enough to keep itself sustaining and, and enable my silly collection of, of doodads. Great. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Is for, is for crowd on verboten too, or is that a separate? Game? No, no, that's just, um, just a separate thing that I, I auditioned for. Um, I auditioned for one role and was offered a different role that initially, um, and, and here's something that I, I kind of wanted to put out somewhere forever. And, and I'm going to tell your listeners and hopefully maybe somebody else is thinking about making a, a audio production, right? Um, in the world of audio, you don't need to cast race, gender, age, uh, national origin. It's so much easier unless your story specifically calls for it to tell a very specific interaction, right? Yeah. If, if you're just telling a sitcom story or you're just telling like a crime, a crime drama like coyotes bluff, it's hella easier to cast and it's hella easier to make sense of things. If you just describe the character of the character, right? Like, this guy's a mean asshole all the time. I need a mean asshole guy with a, I need a mean asshole person, right? Like we have a drug dealer. Oh, you haven't met her yet. Never mind. Her. Um, ah. <laughs> Wait, but you said drug dealer. <laughs> right. Right. That's the point, right? Like yep. you don't necessarily have to meet the stereotypes to yeah. tell the story. You well, don't you have to cast a, a, you know, like a, 
French 30-year-old guy, a French-Canadian guy or whatever. You know, that maybe that's not the right way to go about it. Well, if you got Find a French-Canadian a- guy that can do a bitchin' Rastafarian accent, who knows, you know? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you, you also don't have to deal with, with any potential backlash in, in, in stereotyping. Right. And, and, you know, again, there are some specific uh, interactions between characters, maybe. If that requires a... a a specific race or a specific gender fine but don't make it a stereotype right like don't you don't have to write to a stereotype and that's something that you know in in going through coyote's bluff and in being a part of this show for as a crowd um i kind of came to the realization like it's a hell of a lot easier and it works a lot better when casting to just say i need some folks who are interested in this idea Mm -hmm. i'll figure out where to put you you know, or or we can figure out together what role makes sense, but that role's not going to be. I need a white guy, thirty-five to fifty. You know, I, I need a commanding, leading presence for a lieutenant, a uh, police lieutenant role, right? Mm-hmm. I need a I need a gas station attendant of the uh, Tommy Boy variety, right? <laughs> yeah, I need, I need a person who can fill this role, right? And that role, honestly, that could be anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't, it doesn't matter what you look like, fill that role and sell that role by whoever you are, be you, right? Like if you can voice act, but be you, you know, and deliver the the tone and the emotion and an intent of a role and an intent of a line, that's all I need. So I, I am, I've been drafting this idea I've had in my head for my own, own, own audio drama, which will feed into all of the things that I resonate with. Uh, and that's kind of where I'm coming from with casting. I think in my head right now, I'm like, I, I have no intentions of describing any person. You will, you will describe who you, you will describe your character. The yeah. lines will be mine. Well, now, but And it's like a book where like a lot of the time you read a book and like, you've got an image of a character in your head. And then when they finally describe him, you're like, wait, what? Yeah. That, like, what do you mean? He's not short and fat. Yeah. They're like that, that, you know, it, it doesn't a lot of the time matter what they look like, like unless it's plot specific, it it makes a difference. Unless the character depends on their description, like Jack Reacher, right? Jack Reacher is always described as six foot five, 250 pounds. It's critical to his nature because he uses that size to his advantage, right? Like it's, it's very important to Jack Reacher as a character to be six foot five, 250 pounds. Tom Cruise is neither of those things. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. He might put a hit out on you. Watch out. I don't care. I'm protected. Yeah. When, when you put out the casting call for Coyote's Bluff, I had it open in my browser for like a week. Oh, you chicken. Oh, you didn't share it with me, you son of a bitch. I was like, uh, no, but uh, just, yeah, no, it, it was purely me being a fucking oh, huge pussy. Fuck. For the record, I would love to, to at, le- at least look into taking part in one of those things. I fucking love it. Me too. I, th- I thought the same thing. And then I saw it and I was like, oh, wait. And like clicking the button to be like, yeah, I want to do this was harder than you I thought it would be. You son of a bitch. You couldn't share that with me. Did you upstaging me again, John? (laughs) He's busy. He's drawing a comic book. So, um, are there any are there any teases or seeds you wanna you wanna plant for the listeners here of your your upcoming project? That's your baby, your own project. Oh gosh. Um. Okay. So Michael Douglas's character in Falling Down 
Oh, I yes. thought you were about to drop that you got Michael Douglas cast. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, this guy's serious. <laughs> Man, I wish. <laughs> but no. Um, his character in Falling Down, um, a little bit of Dexter. Okay. Uh, a little bit of River Phoenix as Indiana Jones. Okay, it belongs the in a younger. museum. Somewhere in there is where my guy's going to reside. And it's just going to be a downward spiral into um, the madness that we all feel, right? Mm-hmm. But normally can can stop ourselves from entertaining, if that makes sense. Now, do you? It is is what what genre of show would this be? Like, is is it because of like political climate or because of uh, you know just in ge- like like in falling pressures. down? Yeah, and falling down like people are assholes, and that's what does it, you know? But right. Right. Um, so I've kind of been working on this thing long before the political pressures. Um, I think depending on the next couple of weeks, um, <laughs> well, we fixed I, everything now, right? Uh, we're going to 2021. Everything's all better. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been working on this for a long time and honestly, I don't know how soon this is going to be put together, but Given the the political climate does actually affect me, <laughs> like the things going on uh, right now in the in the in the nation are, you know, like it's disturbing, right? And it's something that I've talked about in early episodes of of Round and Round, and and even earlier in my life. Like I've kind of seen it coming, and people don't listen, and so. To answer your question, I cannot imagine doing the show that I envision doing without some amount of holy fuck, the world is burning down around me. (laughs) And this is the last straw, right? It's mostly about like the darkness that we all have inside, right? And the mask that we all wear in public. And what happens one day when you just don't give a fuck anymore? Yeah. Hey, you just, you say, fuck it. I when you become I'm a man with nothing to lose. Done. Yeah. But what if he does? Right? Like, you know, there there's there's that that sense of, you know, for some people, like they lose their family or something that they like uh the fugitive kind of dude, right? Yeah. Like almost yeah. almost the fugitive story where he had nothing left to lose, so he's gonna go do this thing and find the one armed man. Um yeah. okay, cool. Typical whatever. revenge story. Right. The or even like Death Wish, right? That yeah. was similar totally. to Death Wish. His daughter yeah. got yeah. attacked and now <laughs> yeah, he's gonna exactly. go fuck this, I'm gonna go do my thing. Like, but no, what if, you know, what if it's almost like, almost, and that's where the Dexter piece comes in, right? Like, he's still got a day job, you know? Yeah, struggling with the weight of making the decision to do this, juxtaposed against the things you do have to lose. Yeah. Okay. It it lives somewhere in that because, you you know, there's that, there's the, and a little bit of office space. I'm not going to lie. There's a little bit of oh, office yeah. space in there. Yeah. <laughs> in, in my head, there's office space. There's there's certainly a Lumberg. Um, and, and, and honestly, that even plays in more because um, the, the scenes where he imagines Lumberg doing odd, you know, doing things. And it's not just him. There's a couple of scenes where he sits there and kind of daydreams off about something else happening. Right. But there's a scene in true lies. If you remember that movie, where Arnold Schwarzenegger goes to visit the Bill, and I never remember which Bill is which, so whatever. Um, Bill is a car salesman who he thinks his wife is having an affair with, mm-hmm. and they're riding along in like a 58, uh, 58 Corvette, and Schwarzenegger's character 
imagines beating the shit out of the bill while they're driving, right? Just smashing his head on the dashboard. And then he popped back in and then he didn't actually do that. Yeah. Um, there's a piece of that in whatever I create too. that see that idea of, you know, imagining just pummeling somebody with a five pound hammer. Yeah. Kind of running, running through the fantasy and then coming back to reality. Right. Except that when he comes back to reality, he looks around and maybe actually did it. That'll yeah. be, that'll be an interesting uh, challenge with, with the right? audio medium. Right. I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I think I have, I stumbled on an accidentally stumbled on the, the effect that will, because that's what it's going to have to be, right? You have to have the, um, it's the, it's the Wayne's world yeah. for time travel, or like the scrubs right? or whoosh flashback early on. But so you have to have something that says, oh, this is an imaginary imagination thing now. Right. All right. Fuck. Yeah. That sounds exciting. Yeah. Just have to put it on. Start start doing it, but that will that might be this time next year or Novemberish next year. Maybe that'll all get together. The start doing it part is legit. Yeah, because like John and I, like with our comic, like fucking, we just never started doing it until <laughs> until, <way laughs> until later. you did and, like, and our podcast <laughs> and our podcast and everything else. Like yeah, get in, start doing it, and fucking make it happen. That's the that's kind of the point that we've reached in our lives. Finally, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just took a long time, and that's um, I, I think that's. It, true with all things and, and really what 2021 was for verboten like i talked about it all of last year like i wanted to do something i, I but i it's like it's like making a podcast how do you, where do you find your hook right yeah like you want to talk about something interesting you want to draw people in well what's going to make verboten work to do the way i want to do and it's this incubator which by the way i just came up with that finally to figure out how to express what i want out of it um that idea I think is, is where I want it to go. You know, I, I want to be able to help people get where they want to be. Well, and, and nice we, would, we would be, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about, uh, your show for the trees, which, uh, you were kind enough to have us on, uh, to talk about our comic book. Um, you want to, you want to drop a, drop a plug for our listeners. Tell us what, what it's all about there. Funny story. Um, for the trees was, was a, I don't know. It was it was the follow on to round and round just to break, make a break and start over fresh title, but common like similar intent, right? And then I kind of said, "Fuck it." Um, I, I I haven't recorded since November, I think, um, and because I was working on Coyotes Bluff and I was working on laying down the law and I was working on you know just making all of that right and getting all of that right, and then I would find a. I would do for the trees once I figured out where it fit in my life again and what I was going to do with it. Cause it wasn't enough. Yeah. You know, the, uh, again, there's, there's a lot of shows of people that look like me talking about dumb shit. Right. And that is not to say that your show is talking say, about attacked. dumb shit. You've got- <laughs> <laughs> I resemble but, that remark. <laughs> maybe, but I mean, obviously that's not my point. My, my, I, if I was going to come back with For the Trees, it was going to be a little bit more. I wanted to have a target. I wanted to have, I wanted to give information for once rather than just nitpick the fucking news and, and talk about the goings on of Trumple Stiltskin and his merry band of misfit assholes. Um, and and I, f- I think I found that hook. Um, and, and it is ultimately, I want to talk to creators, not limited to other podcasters, but I want to talk to creators who are making things and like, for example, there's an artist on 
Twitter. His name is Ment Nelson. He's a watercolorist and he does other work, but he does some stuff in watercolor that is just fucking phenomenal. He's kind of like my, um, he's the big get for me right now. If I could actually talk to him about his art because he does some really cool shit and it's not just that it's in watercolor, but it's like the content, right? It's political statements in watercolor Mm -hmm. that are just, they're fucking beautiful, you know? And then it's, it's worthy of discussion and I, and and because I do also video format of what I do, I can, you know, present that, right? Like, yeah. um, but I, I want to get beyond just the audio people, um, talk about what it is they do, how they got there, um, you know, what drives them and what, what's the best case, right? What's the challenge? You know, what's the worst challenge you ever face? Because maybe, you know, in talking with a podcaster and I asked that question, what was the hardest challenge you ever fought with your show or whatever, you know, maybe that's an answer for somebody else one day, right? Absolutely. You know, I'm, I, I happen because of Billy, I happen to be able to reach out to an improv tutor guy who's done like legitimate television things. And I can talk to him kind of a meta thing about how to edit improv. And is there room for editing in improv? Yeah. Cause I don't think so. I I think that would be disloyal to the idea of improvisation. Yeah. It's kind of antithetical to the whole thing. Yeah. Maybe just deleting some silence. But how, right. How do you, how do you balance that with the rules of podcasting? Yeah. Right. Because too much dead air is a bad thing, you know? So that's, you know, that's one of those things where here's this guy who has a podcast. He's done, I think four podcasts and they're successful in that there are many listens, you know, and he's also an improvisation guy, right? So he can speak to two different things, but also I can talk about how he got to fucking improv. How do you get there from wherever you were, you know? So that's kind of where For the Trees is going to go, um, I hope. I, I, I don't know how good I will be because I've never interviewed somebody with that kind of focus, right? I've chatted. I've chatted with you guys. I've chatted with a couple lots of people. Yeah, we bullshit. But yeah. yeah. I, I, and I, I think that works though too. <laughs> I mean, like it, it doesn't need to be hard hitting, you know. No. Journalistic interview, you know. just There's definitely a space for sitting down and just kind of talking to someone about the creative stuff they're doing. And that's why I like, that's one of the reasons I like doing this that we've started doing fairly recently is getting you know, talking to other people that are creating things and, and kind of hearing their perspective yep. and the things that they're doing is interesting. <laughs> that shit. That might have been the, uh, that might have been part of the thought process. Damn it. I'm sorry. Yep. I stole your idea. <laughs> no, we were on your oh, show. No. We were on your show. So you had the idea first. Oh no. Now now <sighs> now you are doing what 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 uh what you know a, a <laughs> couple of white guys talking about No, I'm just kidding. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to well, so the reason I talk about it all the time, Dan Felton, um, who is a partner in Verboten, I should probably should have said it that earlier. Um, he does two shows now, assorted goods and the fucking A E H apostrophe podcast. He's a hella great guy. Um, but also when he's, when he and his buddy decided to launch fucking a, he was like, yep, it's just, you know, it's two white guys talking. Yeah. We had that same issue when we were first starting up, you know, trying to find our place. We're just like, well, we are just a couple of, a couple of approaching middle-aged white dudes talking about nerdy stuff. There's a million of us out there, but you know what? That's, that's what we don't have any other options. <laughs> like, well, I mean, yeah. We're not going to be two sassy black women telling you how it is. No. no and, and it's just, what are we going to do? I mean, it is an audio medium. <laughs> Who says we can't? 
<clears throat> a lot of people, I yeah. guarantee you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thanks for being on, Jeff. Um, do you got anything? Do you, how do people find you? Like, where's, what's the easiest way to find all your many and varied projects? It's plug time. This is the best. I, this is the first time I actually get to say this properly. You can find everything I do at verbotenproductions.com. Yeah. Smart guy. Every Every single thing. Put it all there, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's not true, though. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Because Four is a Crowd is not my show. Um, I'm just an actor there. But um, But you own verboten.com. You could put a link on verboten to Four is a Crowd. And that will probably be done tomorrow. When does this drop? <laughs> <laughs> like Thursday, so you're good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hell yeah, you're- absolutely. You can find everything I do at verbotenproductions.com. You can interact with me on the Twitter at verbotenpm. That's verbotenpapamike.com. It's just verboten. It's the at, man, verbotenpm. Um, yeah, I don't do any other socials because I don't have the time. Ugh, tell me about it. It's gross. Twitter's the Twitter's the go-to. Um, it's the one to have. Yeah, it. I mean, people have success on Instagram, but I can't make it make sense, and I don't have the time for that. I hear you. <laughs> I had TikTok for like a week and a half, but I found um, found out some really sad things about myself, so I had to delete it. Your, your <sighs> dancing's not quite up to snuff. No, no, that I'm perfectly capable of sitting and, and opening the app. And then finding myself six hours later looking up at the clock going, what the fuck just happened? Did I even post anything? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. No, but I can scroll like a motherfucker. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> anyway, gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. I really appreciate you uh, having me here. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks yeah. for coming on. Yeah, we had a good time. I actually, I, I learned some things too. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of, uh, of Coyote's Bluff and, and, um, seeing what you got coming down the pike in next November. Yeah. And I'm definitely going to check out laying down the law. That shit sounds interesting. Yeah. I, I like law stuff. It, it like, it can be dry sometimes, but uh case law and stuff intrigues me. And I love improv too. Yeah. And that with improv comedy and occasional musical numbers. Sure. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's a ride, man. Every episode's a ride that more or less goes off a cliff. <laughs> it's, it's the best destination a, yeah. can, you know, in, in a good way th- thanks for being on and uh go check out jeff's stuff you schlubs yeah and it's jeff feitner that's right